kill him with the venom and eliminate him. Other words, I'm enemy. I don't wanna hurt him, but I did him in a venerage. I'm murdering again. Nobody will evade him. Finna kill him and jump with the fucking bodies in it like obliterating everything. A generator in the game. Enemy, anybody who wanted with the pen and frame. Don't nobody want it, but they're gonna get it anyway. I'm beginning to feel like I'm mentally ill. I'm until a killer be killed. I'm a killer be the vanilla gorilla. You're bringing a killer with me out of me. You don't wanna be the enemy of the demon who enemy. I'm being the receiving enemy. What stupidity it'd be? Every bit of me's the epitome of a spitter when I'm in the vicinity. Motherfucker, you better duck or you finna be dead the minute you're an enemy. A hundred percent of you is a fifth of a percent of me. I'm motherfucking finish you, bitch. I'm available. You wanna battle? I'm available. I'm blowing up like an inflatable. I'm undebatable. I'm unavoidable. I'm unevadable. I'm on the toilet. I got a trailer full of money and I'm paid full. I'm not afraid to pull them. Man, stop. Look what I'm planning. Welcome to the Bucket Drop Podcast, everybody. Episode 37. And if you weren't with us last week, we went from 10 to 6 in the top 10 list of LNAH enforcers. So that's part one of the top 10 LNAH enforcers. So today, uh, basically, it's the top five, the elite. Uh, I'm not saying that these other guys weren't elite. And uh, if you don't like my rapping because it's cringy, I know I'm terrible at it, but I do enjoy hip hop while I'm running. So if you don't like it, fuck off. Now, yeah, there's some guys obviously that didn't make the list, but uh, there's a long list of honorable mentions. Um, I was a few beers deep at the end with Darren, so uh, I don't remember exactly who all his honorable mentions were, but I'll mention a few of mine. Curtis Tidball, who used to play for the Cornwall River Kings, guy was tough as nails. You just went with everybody, like Terrio, uh, with uh, Marasti, with Boss. The guy just didn't care, and he was fighting Bosse after he came back from the UFC. So, like, uh, Bosse did a little stint with the LNAH once he came back from the UFC. Um, I don't know why, because he must just love fighting because uh, the guy's got a good job as a fireman. Um, but, anyways, yeah, so uh, Tidball, uh, give a shout out to Kevin Budzik, Kevin Tough as Nails as well, uh, Tuma Budzik. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a few cousins in there, but other guys that I can think of right now, just off the top of my head, uh, I think I mentioned it in the podcast, but Alex Penner, uh, Weapon X, as they called him, he played in the uh, the league over there in Europe, and uh, he had some good battles with Sean McMorrow, but when he played in the LNH, he fought, again, all those names that I mentioned, like Terrio and all those guys, and uh, you know, to a draw, uh, just long bouts, marathon fights. Uh, Gabby Rock, not the biggest of guys, but just ready to fight anybody. And if you listen to him on my podcast, he even mentions, you know, uh, he took one guy lightly. I think it was Gabriel Boutet Gagnon. And just because he says that, I didn't think he was tough enough to fight me. So he, he knew how tough he was as well. Um, but yeah, man, that guy would just plant his feet and just throw bombs. Other things that are in the news. draft a lottery went down uh, over the weekend kind of shitty for detroit man you know you got to feel bad but look at all those cups that they won in the past so i mean like you know and this is still in recent history um i don't even remember our our cup in 1993 and uh, that's not saying that the habs are going to get the first pick overall but they got a good chance at it so the one of the play-in teams so there's i think there's eight um are going to have a shot at the uh, the first pick so if there's no playoffs each team has a 12.5% chance of getting that first pick. But the way I read it, and I'm not an expert, I think the Habs have the best percentage chance if they get eliminated by Pittsburgh because they were the last seed. So uh, whatever, they're going to have more balls in the bingo uh, the bingo uh, cage rolly thingy. So uh, that's as technical as I get. Other news, um, pop culture, I guess. Uh, Mike Tyson... And Evander Holyfield. I had seen something on Jason Renard's Facebook page 
Shout out Jason Renard. Uh, Jason Renard, tough as nails too. He should have been in my honorable mention. Sorry, Jason. And Dan Manitou too. I should mention him too. The guy was an absolute killer. Knockout power. And uh, if I forgot anybody, guys, it's just because everybody was tough as nails in this league, man. Like just... I was listening to one of Alex's podcasts recently and he had Jason Rushton who, who participated in the black and blue battle of the enforcers and he was mentioning uh, steroid use uh, and just the fact that you almost had to do it because you needed to have that mental edge going into the game because you knew you were fighting so it wasn't a matter of am i fighting tonight you're you're, you're going and you're not going like an anybody like you're not going again it's against like a pussy like me you're going against a tough mother foe um trying to s- limit the swearing so uh yeah my, going back to the mike tyson thing um i know that I had seen something on Jason Renard's page that he was supposed to fight Evander Holyfield on July 11th. I didn't see anything confirmed because I googled it later on, but I know that my dad's super excited. Uh, we used to watch those uh, those bouts with Tyson and Butterbean. They didn't fight each other, but Butterbean used to fight after Tyson. And yeah, they, those fights would go on till like 2 o'clock in the morning, but as, as kids, we would still stay up for them and, you know, you'd grab your popcorn and everything and then uh next thing you know uh mike knocks him out in like a matter of 30 seconds uh and big dudes with uh height advantage on mike but i know my dad's pretty excited about this one um i don't know if it's gonna happen or not but he was like yo we gotta have a pay-per-view at my house the one thing i will tell people is i'm not too sure how excited they should get about this fight uh i seen mike move yes he moves fast but those clips are about what five seconds they're uh meme not memes but uh i forget what those videos are called those short videos that's how old i am but it might be a exciting first round besides that man these guys are old man they're like 50s you know they might prove me wrong but i watched that chuck liddell versus tito ortiz fight and i know chuck was i think he was in his 50s tito was a bit younger you watch them square up before the fight and you're like man, Chuck is going to eat it tonight. Like, it just didn't, Chuck didn't look good, man. Like, he was, like, bouncing around, didn't look like he had all his wits about him. Nothing but respect for Chuck, but he had no business in the ring, or the octagon, I should say. And with Tyson, I don't want to be a hater. Everybody's saying, oh, look at his physical shape, you know, just goes to show that anybody can do it. He might be using some stuff, so hopefully they're not testing before the fight. Uh, he looks better than what he looked at when he was like in his 40s, maybe even late 30s. Uh, I've seen side-by-side photos. You know, Joe Rogan doesn't look the way he does because of pure work now. I know the guy works out hard, but I think there's a little bit of HGH going on, TRT or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, man, respect to Mike. You still have to do the workout to get in there. Um, you know, I mean, to, to look in that shape. Uh, but I, I, I'd be... Very surprised if I was if that was just chicken and protein. Other than that, talking about boxing, actually, um, this whole quarantine, uh, I can't wait for the gyms to open back up, man. It's bad. Like I had to shave my face. We're going for a photo shoot tonight with the baby, and I just look like a fat guy. Got the double chin going, and I've been jogging, but that's not enough. Apparently, uh, I've been jogging about I don't know two point five k a day. Uh, I might skip a day here and there when I don't have time during my lunch because obviously I need to get home quick to help out with the baby when I get home. Like last night, I didn't even watch TV or anything. It was bath time, basically straight to bed because um, I rock her and then I fall asleep. So 
but yeah I, I don't know like for me I don't have the runner's body either so like after like 1k you know my ankles start to hurt and my knees start to hurt I just got like the stubby legs so I don't know maybe boxing would be my thing maybe uh if someone wants to call me on um and I'm not trying to it's not to sound tough it's just because I need something to get me going you know lose that fat shed that fat you know we have a charity boxing event in Cornwall usually in May Uh, obviously that was postponed because of the quarantine but yeah if someone wants to go in there and uh you know, uh, just, it's, I think it's three rounds, you know, um, and there's, there's an average Joe section, uh, in the fights. Like there's some people that are actually like amateurs trying to make a, a thing out of it. I am not, I am, like I said, overweight, but just want to lose some weight. Um, but yeah, man, if, uh, uh, if anybody would like to call me out just for fun again, uh, no bad blood guys, uh, just to lose some weight, man, let's do it. Let's get it on. And uh, one guy, though, that I would actually just like to beat the crap out of uh, just because he's such a pest is Sean Avery. Um, I'm going to be talking crap on him, but I'm also telling you to listen to his podcast because he's pretty entertaining. So, uh, you know, I could see a guy like that replacing uh, Don Cherry because I wasn't a big fan of Don Cherry. He just got on my nerves. And uh, I'm sure that this guy can get on a lot of people's nerves. And uh, some people love him. Some people hate him. But yeah, you just listen to his podcast. And like I said, the guy's entertaining. So uh, I'm telling you to listen to his podcast at the same time. But like, I wouldn't mind boxing a guy like that. The guy's just such a troll, man. And I think he's still, I don't even know if I should take his comments seriously on his podcast or if he's just trolling us all. Because he just has that personality, right? You know, like he, he backed down from so many guys, you know, he can claim to be the toughest guy ever right now. And, you know, he says that, uh, you know, he would, on his latest podcast, he said, you know, if you uh, if you get my dog angry, I'm going to grab a baseball bat and clear the streets of New York City. Like, come on, dude. You're not Probert. I think he's trolling. I'm not even sure what he's doing. But anyways, his podcast is still entertaining. I don't mind listening to it. But when he gets talking about how tough he is and stuff, it's just kind of like, come on, dude, shut up. And uh, this is the part of the podcast where... I'm going to plug some of my buddies. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing the podcast and meeting some great people. Like I said, Alec Olin Salen over at the Five for Fighting podcast. I've had him on my podcast for the top 10 Tampa Bay Lightning enforcers. And I really appreciate when he mentions me on his podcast because he's got a lot of followers. Not only due to his uh, podcast, which he does a great job, but also uh, due to the fact that he has that page enforcer appreciation um darren helps me out a lot so yeah sorry darren is a fourth line voice he's the og uh, I, I hear alex saying it too the og of the enforcer podcast guy so check him out man he's got the skill and he's got the will and i don't have a uh, another line for for rapping something about that and uh yeah those guys have terrific podcasts um very appreciative for both of them and uh definitely check out joe lazito over at coliseum chronicles you know he's the man with the plan on instagram and he interviews guys from long island i think i said that right i'm not too sure but yeah he man he joe lazito has got a gift man he sounds like one of those old school reporters um if you look at his logo too you know he's got that that reporter uh cartoon you know and he he does a terrific job man he's got a great guest on his podcast he's had jim mckenzie he's had aaron asham lately 
And uh, yeah, Joe, uh, I'm excited to have him on too, uh, actually next week. So I don't know exactly when you guys are going to listen to that podcast. But I mean, he's got Aaron Asham right now. and uh, But he's coming on my podcast to give me his top 10 uh, New York Islanders enforcers. So I'm going to try to match five of his. That's my little gimmick there when I have guys come on and do their top 10. So uh, check out that episode. I guess the last thing that I was going to mention is, uh, again, thanks to Darren, uh, Darren at the fourth line voice. Um, he retweets my posts on Twitter, um, and I'm selling hats, all the hats that I sell, any profit that I make goes directly to the children's treatment center in Cornwall. And it helps kids that are victims of abuse and, you know, counselors and psychiatrists are not free. And it's a great organization in Cornwall that helps these kids. So if you want to support old-time hockey and you'd like to buy a hat, uh, I've had guys make donations, actually, where they bought the hat for more than what it was worth. Um, and I appreciate those I appreciate those guys so much. I'm up to $65 for the Children's Treatment Center that helps the kids. And uh, like I said on many podcasts, so I'm not going to keep uh, beating a dead horse again i'm french i don't know if that's the right expression but you know i find the new hockey's boring uh the instigator rule all that crapola uh it's made the game a little bit boring you got rats running around taking liberties now uh but yeah if you want to support old school hockey you know and uh you know at least it might not come back but at least we can talk about it uh buy a hat Bucket Drop. What does Bucket Drop stand for? It doesn't say Bucket Drop Podcast or nothing like that. It just says Bucket Drop. Just uh, in support for all the guys that dropped the gloves, dropped the bucky. Um, I didn't want to call it dropping the gloves. I don't know. I just, you know, even listen to Sean Avery's podcast recently. Um, you know, he's saying that he would rather drop the bucky. And myself, I'm the same way, man. Like, I dropped the gloves a few times. Um, I fought a guy, uh, Pierre Dagenet, who played for the Montreal Canadiens tooting my own horn again eh uh but yeah like i remember fighting him and he was punching me in the helmet and my visor was all fogged up and uh, ever since then you know if i could drop the bucket i dropped the bucket just it was easier to see and i mean who wants to be punching a helmet right which uh, avery was talking about in his last podcast i hope this was not a trashing avery podcast that's not what it was meant to be uh i just think that the guy's a little bit of a clown when he tries to refer to himself as like uh, a little bit of a probert, you know, because the guy was definitely an instigator. And uh, I listen to Barnaby's podcast, and he's never claiming to be the toughest guy in the world uh, when you, you listen to his podcast. But, you know, like I said, it might be trolling. But, uh, yeah, I'm going off tan- on a tangent. But buy a hat, guys. You're helping support the kids. You're helping kids. And uh, you're helping uh, support old school hockey, you know. Hey, uh, you see a bunch of hats uh, with the bucket drop logo. Uh, you know, people will be like, yeah, you know, that was the glory days of hockey. So um, going into this episode right now, we're going for the top five. I hope I recorded all this. We're going to go jump right into it. So uh, the last episode, we stopped at six. We're going right with Darren's next guy at top five. So if there's not a smooth transition, sorry, guys, I'm not a professional. We'll see you on the other side with Darren at Fourth Line Voice.
Number five, I had Louis Bedard. Old Louis, he undersized, you know, about five foot ten, you know, local local guy. Played in the Quebec Junior League. Then he went and played in the East Coast League and uh, in Hampton Roads. And uh, then he he actually went over to the UK, played over there, and then. But he came back, and he actually he ended up playing eight seasons, eight seasons in the LNAH, three hundred and two fights, and uh, unbelievable. Fought like Morasti too, like really, just yeah. totally, like whoa, wide, like no wrestling, just wide open, and you know, towards the like I said, towards the end of his career, you know, he got you know out of shape and got you know fat and whatever, but but he would still you know fight forty times a year and wide open and unbelievable. Like I said, just type in Louis Bedard. You'll be entertained forever because he he was awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check him out. Oh, uh, like but 302 fights. I mean, you you name him, he fought him. He fought everybody five times over. You know, and like I said, it wasn't like oh he was the kingpin of the league or whatever. But he was always, you know, he was always in that top ten discussion. But I mean, when you do it for that long, and you're that consist 40 fights a year for eight years and. And fighting every like I said, it wasn't like he was fighting first line goal scorers. I mean, he was fighting everybody and win, lose or draw, you were gonna get a hell of a battle out of Louis. And then he played he played in the Quebec League, he was with Laval and then he went back to the East Coast and then he came back to Quebec and he he kinda bounced around, but like I said, he uh 'cause I think he probably played pro for like, you know, twelve or thirteen years, but eight of it was spent in the in the Quebec League. No, right on and uh yeah, shout out to Louis. I think uh, right now he's like a, a motivational speaker. And uh, at number five, uh, I'm going to pick another lefty. Uh, those damn lefties, you know, they could do some damage. And another yep. big boy, another big boy at six foot three. I never knew how to fight a lefty, by the way. Uh, only 36, but he's played in the LNH since 2006. So he's had over 1,500 PIMs. Uh, I've never seen an- anyone flatten Terrio like he did. Uh, the reason I have him higher than Lassard is obviously due in part for, uh, you know, the amount of time that he played in the LNH. Uh, yep. But... Laid out a bunch of tough customers, even in the days where, uh, you know, the jersey rules weren't as strict. So he managed to uh, go to distance with tough guys like Jason Hamilton. But it's uh, Thomas Belmont. Funny thing, like I was listening to a Joel Terrio episode in French. And uh, they asked him, you know, which guy was the toughest guy that he, he went up against. And he said that the guy that he had the most trouble against was uh, Thomas Belmont. And very unassuming, you know, just uh, anyways, he kind of looks like uh, like that rock star, like Alexandre Laflamme. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he didn't lose many. So I don't know if you've got him on your list or not. I don't. That's a, that's very interesting to, to hear that. I You know, I don't hear that name very often. I know I know who you're talking about. And I've seen him fight, obviously. But that's interesting that Terrio would say that. I mean, especially yeah. from coming from him. I mean, you know, he fought everybody. So, I mean, yeah, no, there you sure. go. I mean, right from the horse's mouth, right? Yeah, and like I said, like he's I don't know if I'm using the right word, but I'm assuming, you know, uh but uh yeah, yeah. yeah the guy was tough as nails. And uh, who do you have as your number four? Number four, well, this is where I got Barhog. Mike Barhog. Yeah, he played uh you know, he played six seasons there, hundred and eighty eight fights. Um, you know, and he missed one whole year after um in the preseason he fought Kote and ended up getting dropped and he blew his knee out in the fight when he went down, so he missed the whole season there. But uh he's a Western guy, he played in the Western hockey league and so big, I think. Like the dude's like six foot seven, and yeah, you know, sure. you know, and uh, yeah, he played. You know, he played in the in the United Hockey League and Flint and all that, but and Johnstown before he got to the Quebec League. But uh, yeah, once he got in the Quebec League and uh, and got rolling, he uh, you know he really grew. In, like when he first got there, he was like really tall and gangly and really skinny and looked awkward. But you know, as he grew up and kind of grew into his body. Uh, Dude became a killer, 
I mean, when you're that big and you know what you're doing and you're punching downhill, I mean, you know, you could do a lot of damage to guys. So, um, and he did. I mean, he put Bossy down and Murhasty and, you know, and he he did it to a few guys and uh, he didn't lose many. No, for sure. And uh, I think he's a fireman now, eh? Yes, he is. Yep. Was he not a fireman while he was still playing in some of those leagues? Well, I believe, because didn't he play in the FHL, I think, right at the end? Yeah, he, he was playing, playing with that Warriors FHL. team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And he, I know he fought a few times, and I don't know if he got, I don't know if the fire department told him to, like, knock it off, and, you know, like, if you get hurt, we're not going to cover you and your pension or, or in your benefits or something, I don't know, but, yeah, because I don't think he played for very long, but, uh, yeah, he kind of came back, because like, he hadn't played, and then all of a sudden out of the blue, he comes back and he's playing. But I don't think he played very much, and then he he was gone again. So I think he must he the fire chief might have told him to knock it off. Yeah, no, for sure. And like obviously, like uh, not to be uh, mean, but kind of a freak of nature, you know. I mean, like uh, that that size uh, and, and to be oh, a yeah. enforcer, you know, you you, you got a bit of an advantage on a guy like uh, Morasti. Um, but uh, you know, at number four, uh, getting down to the nitty gritty now, right? I have Patrick Cote. Yep. Like I, I, I've only recently discovered this guy. I, I remember listening to your list of top twenty-five with Steve, and uh, you know, I was like looking at all the guys that uh, that, that fought against Domi and uh, along the guys that he fought. And uh, you know, at six foot three, he's from LaSalle, Quebec. Tough, tough guy. You know, I saw that fight against uh, Dean Mayrand where uh, he got out of his shirt, and uh, you know, you. Uh, I always think of that image with him at Pitsiak. I, I know you know the image that I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. where, where where they're shirtless, just a a guy that can uh, you know do some big time damage. Oh no, I mean yeah. Well, there I mean was lead in yeah because I have Cote at my number three, so it's like uh, yeah I played 107 games at 75 fights. I mean in the LNH and uh, you know and it's too bad. I mean you know personal issues. I mean he's in jail now for bank robbery and yeah, everything sucks. else. And, yeah. But, um, you know, he had troubled issues, and he was working for the mob and all that shit. I mean, he was always off ice issues. But, I mean, he should have been in the NHL. I mean, he had the two. He had really two good seasons, and he had the one huge year in Nashville. He had 35 yeah. fights. He led the NHL, and, I mean, dropped Sandy McCarthy and had the good fight with Twist, and he was sure. cruising. Yeah, yeah, and he was doing really well, and then, you know, and then he gets busted at the border with the drugs, and, uh, you know, so then, he, you know, that was the end of that. But, uh yeah, and then he just stuck playing with Laval and, and playing in the Quebec League. And, uh, you know, and like I said, I've had, a, you know, yeah, a bunch of guys that played against him on my podcast, and every one of them has said the same thing when you mention his name. They're just like, he is the meanest player I've ever played against. No, exactly. Like, and, he, and he had that crazy you know, factor, like you said. Oh, and, like, just didn't give a shit. Like, like I said, I know people that were like, yeah, he, you know, if he, he, he'd cross-check you in the face and, like, knock your teeth out and not feel bad about it. Just like, whatever. You know, he just didn't give a shit and it was mean. And like I said, towards the end there, he was all, you know, jacked up on, on the roids and everything else. And like I said, the one year when he was playing in, in Laval, he was 270 pounds. Like just, you know, probably like 6% body. He was just jacked. It was ridiculous. Like he could have played for the, should have been playing for the Montreal. He should have been in the CFL as a linebacker or something. You know, he was, but that was a problem. He was too big. Yeah. So he kept get he kept getting muscle tears. He only he only played like the fifteen games one year because he kept tearing his quad, and then he tore his ankle, and he fractured his finger, and 
I mean, there was always something going on because he was just too big, and he lost all his flexibility. I mean, he looked like a bodybuilder. Maybe I should have that picture of him, uh, you know, walking off the bench after they uh, left the trail of destruction and behind. Well, him. and that's the thing, and you saw how big he is in that picture. Well, that yeah. picture was from like '03. Like you should have seen him in '06 when he's shit. He's bigger than that. Like you know, it's ridiculous how big he got. And, yeah, yeah. uh, oh, and he said, and then, and then you add like the temperament when the guy was already mean. Now you add that to it too. And it's like, oh, Jesus, you know, like, yeah, like he was, like when he hit you, it, and like you said, he got out of, he'd get out of his gear all the time. And I mean, like I said, when I was talking about Barhog, yeah, that, that fight's on my YouTube channel. Like the fight's pretty even. Actually, Barhog's probably winning, but then Kote gets that right arm out of his jersey. And bang, and down goes and then Barhog ends. Well, and that's the thing. And then Barhog ends up going down and blowing his knee out, so he's lying there. Yes. And then Kote skating away decides he goes down on the ice and starts rolling around making fun of him. You know, that's how cold blooded he was. He didn't even give a shit that the guy blew his knee out. You know, he was just didn't care. That's what, that was Kote, man. The guy yeah. was freaking cold blooded killer scary dude man and like i mean oh yeah you know you know what what went the distance with probert too i'm sure he wasn't on all the same roids back then well no because he had to play back then right so i mean yeah. yeah i mean and that was the thing the guy he could skate and you know when like like they said like never mind the fighting part even when he just got got them legs pumping i mean he could skate and i mean dudes you know six six three two sixty and can skate and doesn't give a shit i mean like you said the hits that he would throw were just unbelievable he just trucked guys yeah like yeah Cote was I mean it's too bad his life went the way it did like I said there's another guy that should have played in the NHL for a while but uh he was a bad dude I heard he was supposed to get out of prison here soon and I heard he was he could have got out early and said he didn't want to get out or I don't know what the hell's going on but I heard the same story actually like, yeah well yeah what he got shot in there too he got into a prison fight and got shot by a guard and no there's yeah Whatever, it's too bad. But I know we're talking to Swanson. I mean, Swanson played with Cote and uh, loved him and, uh, you know, had nothing but good things to say about him. I said my friend that coached him, really, they got along. I mean, he's like a nice guy to his teammates. It wasn't like he was out kicking puppies or anything. But, I mean, but when he put the skates on and it was time to play, it was all business and yeah. stone stone cold. No, for sure. And, like, I find it's a sad story because, like, I saw some pictures of him while he's playing for the Preds and, you know, just, like, interacting with the fans. And it seems like he had his uh, his shit together. Yeah. And, uh, like you yeah. said, the, the the fact that he went to jail. And, actually, yeah, the last story that I heard is that uh, he was going to get released. Don't double quote me on this, but basically he just said that, uh, you know, if uh, if you guys let me out, I'm uh, either going to go rob a bank or I'm going to hurt myself. So that's that's the part that I had heard. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, obviously there's some mental issues there and, uh, you know, hopefully he gets that taken care of because that's, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, no, for sure. At five foot 10, he's a righty. So my number three is John Nasty Marasty. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that he fought guys that big just simply amazes me. And, uh, I mean, just the heart of a lion. Well, my number two was Marasty. Yeah. You know, like I said, uh, it was surprising and I, I, it's, uh, he actually didn't play that many games. Like he wasn't in the Quebec league for very long. Like, basically, it was, like, kind of three and a half seasons. He played 118 games. He had 141 fights. And, like you said, always the entertainer. And, I mean, mid-fight, he's putting his arm up to get the crowd going and waving to the crowd and smiling. And, I mean, the ultimate showman. I mean, and, uh, yeah, I can also tell you he ain't 5'10". He's about, he's, he might be 5'8". You know. Really? I've met, eh? him a bunch, yeah. I've met him a bunch of times. And, yeah, I'm 5'10", and I was 
looking at the top of his head. So, you know, but I mean, he's about five foot eight. He's about five foot eight wide too, though. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, you know, big, strong dude. But uh, that's pretty amazing, though, man. That's crazy. Oh yeah, well, and like you said, he just he could take it and uh, unbelievable chin and and the, and like you said, his style, right? I mean, wide open. Like, he wasn't wrestling, you know, wide open. And uh, I mean, you know, the case could be made. I mean, I don't know many people that could argue that. I mean, he's probably the most exciting hockey fighter of all time. You can't beat that. No, I mean, for terms of entertainment, I mean, you know, win, lose, or draw, he was going to be entertaining. And, uh, you know, yeah, he had the rough, the rough, kind of the rough battles against Bosse. And, you know, everybody remembers those. But, uh, you know, and I, I've, I, I believe I talked to John. I've talked to John about it, and I think I mentioned it to him on my podcast as well. I never kind of understood well, I mean, I get, I get it why he fought him like that, but I was always sort of like, I don't know why he fought that style against Bosse. Here I am, here I am, like I said, here I am trying to give fight tips to John Morassi. Like, I don't mean it like that, but I was always, because Morassi was a better skater than Bosse, so I was always kind of, I remember asking him, like, you know, why didn't you move him? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you guys, yeah, should, yeah. why didn't you spin him, you know? Like, why did you just plant your skates and go toe-to-toe with a guy? Like, Christ, Bosse is in the UFC, for God's sake. Yeah, I listened to that episode a couple of days ago. Just for the listeners, he wasn't in the UFC bench. No, no, no. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously, he could hit, right? So, it was I like, hear, why yeah, would I you hear. do that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, sure. why would you fight like that? You know, but uh, it was a pissing contest, and we wanted to see who the who the better man was. And uh, yeah. the, the, I think I don't know how many times they fought. Was it six or seven? I think he got knocked out three or four times. But yeah, yeah but yeah. just would come back for more and just do, you know, as, those are the most vicious fights I've ever Probably some of the most vicious hockey fights I've ever seen. Like that just shows how tough the guy is, too, right? Oh yeah, I mean, just you know, and to do that for that long against all those guys, and like I said, you name you name a guy in the in the LNH, Marasty fought him. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, he might be your number one. I got my number two, Joel Terrio. Yes, he is my number one. So six foot two, mean lefty, and I mean, what can you say about the guy? I mean, like, just go check out the clips. He was beating the heavies from the LNAH at 40 years old. So uh, he yep. might have even been 41 or 42, played like two decades in the league. See, that alone uh, speaks to his uh, durability and toughness. So just a bad, bad man. Yeah, no, I added it up. Yeah, he played 14 years in the Quebec League and had 283 fights. and Unbelievable. Yeah, and um, yeah, what can you say, right? Fought everybody a million times each. And uh, and again, not a wrestler. I mean, wide open and, uh, you know, he you know he lost a few and everything, but um, he didn't, not many. And uh, he put the hammer down on a few dudes for sure. And uh, like you said, and even later on in his career, you watch those fights on his, kind of when he was, you know, at the end there, and he was still wide open and toe-to-toe. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I got Bosse as my number one. But, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you watch those fights with Morasti, it's kind of hard to disagree with it. The guy just hit like a truck. But, as you mentioned, yep. he, he did lose some in his earlier days. So, uh, you know, it's all uh, subjective, as you mentioned. So, I guess, I don't know, did you want to throw any uh, honorable mentions in there? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, well, I mean, the big one is, and there's, an, you know, and you go and look and it seemed like, I mean, he played nine years in the league and, uh, you know, was Jacques Dubé. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the guy had... 453 fights, you know, I mean, and he fought everybody. And, uh, and really, I mean, he might've got out punched a bunch of times, but I mean, he never really took a real shit kick in and I'm not saying he won every fight. Cause he certainly didn't, but I mean, I don't remember him getting dropped and knocked out. I mean, 
could just take a punch. I mean, talking to guys that have played in the league, he wasn't the hardest puncher. He was always game, was always straight up, would fight you clean. And there was another guy, like, I don't know where, I think he was just like a local bouncer. And I think they needed, I think, because he played back in like 98, 99, like when it was still in the, the, you know, the QSPHL or whatever. And I think the local team needed some tough guys. And he had the local rep as being a real tough street fighter. So they're like, well, we'll teach you how to skate and come fight for us. And he was a local hero. And he certainly, I mean, again, when he first started, it would be a few punches and fall down because, I mean, you're still learning, right? But, yeah, later on in there in the 03, 04, 05 and kind of in there, I mean, you know, a guy put up 50, 60 fights a year and fought everybody. He fought Marathi a million times and they had great fights and just toe-to-toe. And, yeah, Sol Jacques, I got to mention him. And, uh, oh, and lots of guys like Roger Maxwell. I mean, he had 235 fights. He played five years. You know, well, my boy Swanee, you know, Curtis Swanson, 230 fights. Craig Brunel, I mean, you know, you could go on and on, right? But Jason Hamilton, like you said, and yeah, mm-hmm. oh, Gabby Roke, you know, and uh, Danik Lassard, and Mike Brault. There's another guy. He's kind of the original. He's yeah, always yeah. kind of refer, referred to as the OG in that league, you know, because he yeah. was fighting back in like 96 when it was in dimly lit arenas and, you know, suburbs of Quebec, and dude was fighting 60 times a year. I think somebody said he had like 600 career fights or something. Yeah, bro's a legend for sure. Corey Holland, guys like that. I mean, those guys have thunder in their hands. Dan Tice, I've had him on my podcast. Have you had him on yours as well? No, Alec had him on as well. Yeah, there's another guy, right? He was around for a long time, and I mean, not a big guy and unassuming and stuff and didn't put up the massive fight totals, but I mean, when he decided to fight, oof. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, and another guy actually that I'm thinking about right now off the top of my head is uh, Jason Payne. Yep. Lightning and thunder in his hands. Yeah, I mean, he played a long time in the East, in the American League, in the East Coast, in the Colonial League. He bounced around the minors, and then, yeah, I don't, he didn't play in the Quebec League for very long, but, yeah, he certainly uh, laid the beats to a few guys. Like I said, another guy, Ryan Hand. There was another guy. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, I was a big fan of his. And uh, Well, like you said, we talked about Brashear was in the league for a little bit, and uh, I know he came in the lockout and had, like, 19 fights that year, and, I couldn't believe Brashear actually went to the Quebec League during the lockout. Like, holy shit. Talk about having a target on your back. But uh, I, he wasn't very highly thought of by too many of the guys in that league. They didn't like <laughs> some of his antics. But, uh, yeah, you know. But, I mean, I know he's since gone on and played a little few more seasons in the Quebec League. But, I mean, obviously he doesn't fight like how he used to. But Nor, nor should he have to. I mean, he doesn't have anything to prove at this point. But another guy we actually didn't mention that was definitely a, kind of a, a, an original back then was uh, Mike Bajerny. There's another guy. He was. I was going to ask you about him because I don't know too much about Mike. Yeah, well, he, you know, one of, well, if everybody's out there has watched the Chiefs documentary, um, the Chiefs, um, his brother, Bajerni's brother was actually the one that made that movie. And, uh, of course, they followed the Laval Chiefs around for the 0203 season. And, uh, you know, obviously Mike's in, featured in it heavily and they talk it to him. And, yeah, so he, uh, I'm ho- hopefully I'm trying to get him on my show here, but because uh, he'd have some really good stories. But he was in that sure. league for about six or seven years, and he fought everybody. But yeah, big tough dude, and uh, you know he was he was certainly kind of at the, at the beginning of that league when it really started rolling. But uh, yeah, Bajerni was, and then another guy I had on my show that I'm actually going to re-upload his his interview this Sunday was Dan Kopeck. He played for the Laval Chiefs in uh, 03, 04, and 04, 05, and uh, just tough dude, man. Man, those Laval teams. Because, yeah, I mean, you had Matthew Rabby and Jay Banich and all those guys, Chad Richard. And, oh, you said you could go on forever listing the guys that have been in that league. Cause crazy league. 
appreciate you coming on the podcast, uh, just sharing your knowledge, and uh, I appreciate the support with my podcast. I hope everybody goes and uh, listens to the Fourth Line podcast, you know, Fourth Line Voice, sorry. You mentioned Matthew Rabby, so like when I was trying out for the Warriors, um, I made it to the last cut, but uh, yeah, he's a guy that showed up at the last minute to that training camp, so uh, obviously they were going to be a tough team. Well, so they, they cut Bobby Longgrass for Matthew Rabby. Uh, I don't know. Well, I know Rabby, he played a long time, played pro for a long time, and uh, yeah, yep. just messing around. I remember when he showed up for that one of those last practices there. I could tell that a uh, tough customer, man, just built like a friggin' uh, Greek god. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Gr- the grizzled vet. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think yeah. you had talked about wasn't that with Paul Chance, but there's another name. He was in that Quebec League forever and fought a million oh, yeah. guys. You, you've gone pretty close with uh, Dean Mayran, but like those tough guys are just the nicest guys in the world. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and yeah. with the podcast, getting to talk to them, and you know, and then you. You know, you talk off air with him and stuff. It's it's been uh, it's been fun. Yeah, Paul Chance is a funny dude. Just the whole time that he would just tell me like, "Go get shit started." While I was trying out, yeah. Oh yeah. You could tell he's uh, even though it was just like uh, you know he knew all his teammates. He was a gamer for sure. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot for joining me today, man. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys the episode. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for joining me. No, man, it was great. It was fun. And like I said, I loved I I love doing the list. It was it's always fun to compare and uh like i said talk about these guys and uh no hopefully uh you know no hey no problem i'm glad people are listening and uh gaining some followers and uh no like i said any anytime you ever want me to come on uh, i'm more than happy to sit down and talk because it's uh it's always fun yeah for sure and i learned a few guys from you today and uh, hopefully you uh, learned a few guys from me so uh good times bud enjoy your night and we'll talk soon absolutely man take it easy how deep is your love how deep is the ocean how deep is the sea? And how deep is my love? How deep is your love? How deep is the ocean? How deep is the sea? And how deep is my love?